Shiftem podcast episode 13. Hello everybody. It's just me alone now and um, the subject uh, I'll try to make it educational as I promised. We will talk about quality assurance in software projects. This is the subject which was of big interest for me for years mostly because um, as far as I understand many software teams misunderstand what it means quality assurance they just uh, put that title on um, testers on manual testers in most cases and they call them quality assurance engineers or QA engineers uh, I think it's really wrong and I will explain why uh, because the QA as as it's supposed to be understood in, in, in other industries, not only in software development, but in all other places where quality is important, is not actually what testing is about. So testing is testing, QA is QA, and they don't really even overlap. So my point of this, of this podcast, of this discussion for the next um, 40 minutes is that we should clearly understand the role of a tester and the role of a QA engineer, we can call it an engineer, but a QA person. And uh, we should stop calling testers QA people because they're not QA. So what QA is? What is quality assurance? Uh, There are a number of definitions, there are a number of um, standards about that. Uh, I'm looking right now at the PMBOK and uh, there's the entire um, chapter there, chapter 8, uh, which is called quality management, and it explains what the QA is. Uh, so, in any the project, the, the PM block is not about software development. Actually, it's about any project where we achieve trying to achieve something, and where we need to control what's going to be the quality of the of the results we produce, and uh, we want to make that quality you know as high as the project requires. Uh, so the quality is uh, uh, is the degree to which the product we have or the project we have uh, conforms to the expectations or requirements we put on this product or project. There are many activities in a software development project. There are many things we do, like we write code, we uh, deploy that code, we write unit tests, we write documentation, we uh, continuously integrate our code, we collect some user feedback, we uh, look at the production uh, environment, production servers, and we collect the information from there as well. So we do different things, there are many activities we perform and they all somehow contribute to the quality of the entire result we're expecting to get. How much they contribute depends on the project, but they all need to be somehow uh, monitored, somehow controlled. Somehow uh, we need to ensure that that, that all of them will uh, deliver the, the quality we're looking for. For example, if it's a writing of the code, then we want that code to be of high quality. What it means, we'll discuss a bit later, but we want that code to be of a high quality. If it's uh, continuous integration, then we most probably want uh, our continuous integration service to be, to, to, to be in a green status 
for as much time as possible. So we don't want our CI server to break and to give us the red signal frequently. If we're talking about, uh, for example, a code review, then we don't want to have, uh, during our development process, we don't want to have uh, pull requests or change requests or any you know, changes we're making to the code to be rejected by code reviewers more frequently than we would want to see that. So what I'm saying now is that we have some quality standards or quality expectations which we put in our project when we started. And this is called quality planning. What I'm just describing now, it's a first, uh, what the PM book is calling it, it's, it's called, uh, yeah, they call it plan quality. So this is the, the process where uh, we, we are planning the way we're gonna deal with the quality. So when we start a project, we sit together and say, you know, uh, we do want uh, our code to be uh, conformant to the static analysis uh, requirements of uh, check style, for example. And we're going to have this amount of rules, and we're going to set that rules in 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 our uh, in our build, for example. And we don't want to break them ever. Or we can say, you know, we we already have a huge amount of code somehow, and we just simply cannot uh, we cannot make all the rules of the check style pass. So we agree that, let's say, 80% of them will be green and then only 20% may complain somehow. So this is our quality expectations about, the, about our product, about our, pro about our process as well, or product. In the process, we may say that, you know, we don't want our uh, changes to go into the, the production branch or to in the production code base without code reviews. So this is our quality expectation, quality requirement towards the process. So we want everything our developers are creating to pass code reviews somehow. And we're, in this case, our quality requirement is 100%. So we're asking all changes should go through code reviews. Or we may say like every important change, which is marked as important, has to go through a code review process. That's again our our quality planning, we're setting the standard for the quality. And that's a really primitive way, which I'm saying right now. This is quite simple, primitive, which will be enough for most projects. If the projects are big enough, then the PM book and many books about quality can give you uh, more ideas of how you can plan the quality. You can use some charts, you can use some, um, uh, some diagramming methods, you can uh, draw a really fancy, uh, you know, uh, graphs, which will which will show how much quality you expect and where exactly you are able to tolerate uh, some drop downs, where you expect some you know spikes in the graphs, and what's acceptable. And you can use some standards, for example, ISO 9000, it's one of the standards which is really short, it's just a few pages actually, which basically says that you have to plan your quality. So what I'm saying now is that this quality plan has to be, has to exist. And if you try to, to, to certify your company or your project 
for the ISO quality standard, then one of the things which will be required is that you have the quality plan. And the quality plan is exactly what I just explained. It's just a list of things which you expect to have. One of the things is testing. So in this quality plan, you may say that aside from static analysis and continuous integration and uh, collecting this uh, information from code reviews and everything, we also want to test our software using manual testers, these people sitting around our software and trying to break it. And we want to uh, collect bug reports from them in that particular uh, regime, in, the, in, the, in that particular order. And then we want to close and fix that bugs in that particular uh, scenario. So that will be also part of your quality plan. And the QA engineers, the QA people who are responsible for quality, they look at the entire picture. They look at the code reviews, they look at the static analysis, they look at the continuous integration and testing. They, they review it all and they make the decision of how exactly the quality of the entire project will be achieved. So what is the quality, first of all? So what do, do, how do we define quality? There will, be comp there will be components of the quality which these people will put together. And then that people will say that there are some quality uh, thresholds and quality expectations which need to be matched. And testing is just one of them, just one of the components. And really not, not probably the main, well, it's important component, but it's not the only one for sure. And in most cases, it's not the main one. Because in my experience, there are many projects where testers not really uh, are absent. Sometimes they, in most cases, they exist if the project is uh, fundable and, and it's commercial, not open source. But if you really look at the open source projects and projects which are smaller, then there are no testers at all. The users are the testers. So the product goes on the market and the market actually provides the feedback and provides these bugs which the team is supposed to fix. So there are no testing at all, but there's still quality assurance, this QA. Even if you don't plan the quality, if you don't set this quality plan anywhere, if you don't put it in writing, there's still some expectations for the quality. For example, you, you are uh, expecting yourself to fix any bugs which are coming in in like a day and less or in a week or less. That's your quality plan. So you are the QA engineer. If it's just yourself sitting in front of a project and there is nobody else, you are the QA engineer. You are defining what the quality is. So you're doing this first step. There are actually three steps in, in, in total. There are quality planning, then it goes quality insurance, and then it goes quality control. So quality planning, which is discussed, and then goes QA, quality assurance, and then goes quality control. Three processes which they need to go in a cycle again and again. You need to replan, you need to assure quality, and then you need to control quality. And again, testing is just one of the components. It's like code writing and testing. They, they go in parallel. They are uh, similar activities, writing code and testing that code, and also delivering that code, and also integrating that code, and also collecting the user feedback, and also uh, collecting the coverage information, the, the test coverage information from unit tests. All of these activities, they are in parallel. Testing is one of them. We just, the, the, the bugs we deliver, the testing is actually the activity which delivers bugs. So that's what the testing is doing. The testing is trying to break the product, find uh, mistakes in that product, and then report that mistakes. So the final output, the deliverables of a tester 
is the list of bugs. This is what the tester is giving to the project. The programmer is giving the code. The, the, the main deliverable of the programmer is the files with the code, which are compilable and then runnable somehow. The output of the tester, the deliverable of the tester, is the list of bugs, which, which that person managed to find in the product. The output of a DevOps engineer, for example, is, depends on the situation, but as far as I understand, it's a, it's a collection of releases made to the production. So DevOps engineer or DevOps team has to be responsible for, for making that releases. The more frequently they make it, the kind of the better is the, the, the more valuable is the work of that DevOps team. And there are many other you know, uh, groups or people in the project. So back to my point of this, of this discussion is that that's really like wrong to call a tester a QA engineer because the tester is not doing the QA job. The tester is not planning the quality. The tester doesn't know anything about code review or about uh, code writing or about static analysis. So the tester is responsible for testing. And that testing is just one of the activities which contribute, of course, contribute to the quality, but only when the QA, when the quality assurance people are uh, looking at that testing from the QA perspective and are asking that testers to deliver not just bugs, but for example, 50 critical bugs a week or no more than, than, than uh, 50, uh, 50 uh, cosmetic bugs, which are not important, like minor bugs. Or we're expecting the testers to break that particular part of the, of the code uh, as frequently as five times a day or something. So that are, that, th these things, these numbers, are the numbers coming the, from the QA part. The testers are just, uh, you know, the QA people are kind of not the managers of the testers, but they are telling the testers what are the quality expectations. So they are giving them requirements and they're saying, hello, testers, we expect you uh, to do this and that because that's what we think is, would be the good quality, would be the good contribution to the quality from you guys. And then the QA people go to programmers and say, you know what, well, we want you to uh, to use check style because that's what we think would be the good contribution to the quality and we want you not to break any check style rules in your code ever. So the programmers are just getting that requirements and saying, yes, yeah, sure, we'll do it or we cannot do it or we need more money for that or we need more time for that. But they find a, a balance, they find a, they resolve that conflict between quality requirements and other requirements because both testers and programmers, they have other requirements coming from somewhere else, coming from the, uh, from, from business, uh, from the business case they develop for. So they need to find a balance. What's, what's more important, the quality being asked or uh, the, the, the speed of delivery, for example. So testers are just one uh, part of the process. So that was, that was quality planning. How you plan quality, you can read it in PMBOK. There are, again, like many, many, not many, not really, really many, but uh, some, you know, ideas and, and techniques on how you can uh, plan your quality and create your quality plan. In most cases, you're not going to need that quality plan, like in writing. You just, you just, uh, you will need just, you know, a half, 
of the page, you can put it somewhere in a readme file in your project and just say, we expect our quality to be this, this, and that. That will be enough in most situations. In, in really big projects, you need like quality plan and the proper writing like multiple page document. So the next step is quality assurance, which is the QA. What is the quality assurance? So the quality assurance is actually the process of uh, collecting the information about the quality. So what you do with the, when, when we need the quality assurance, you basically look at what's going on and you, uh, and you collect the numbers, you collect the metrics. So in PMBOK, they say like you need quality audits, for example. So you need to audit the situation. You need to look at the situation and say, uh, hey, we do violate uh, check, check, uh, check style static analysis rules in this amount of uh, files, and this amount of commits or whatever. And we do break the quality rules. These particular tester, for example, or the entire testing department, department breaks that, that rule, uh, doesn't deliver what it's supposed to deliver in terms of quality in that amount of times. So we, by assuring the quality, we are, uh, we are collecting the information about what's going on. Uh, and, and then we look at that information we collected. We'll look at that metrics basically, and then we decide what to do. So we basically make decisions of uh, how do we need to, uh, to change the situation and what needs to be done uh, with, the, um, with the plan. So what, what was wrong with the, with the original plan? So how did we, uh, how did we uh, violate the plan, why it was wrong? So we are basically making uh, so-called change requests, but not change requests with the code. It's not code change requests, but this is how these quality people call it, change requests. So they are uh, like changes for, uh, for the process. So let's say, uh, we, we understand during the quality assurance step, we understand that um, the quality of our code is not as high as we are expecting it to be. I mean, the quality of the code we write. We collect many, many inputs to, to make that decision. This is the job of the QA engineer. So you look at the, at the inputs, you look at the uh, numbers coming in, and then you make a decision. Then this particular uh, area, we're lacking quality. And then you make a change request. You're saying like, from now on, we would like, uh, I don't know, this programmer to work half of the day on improving the quality instead of writing the new code, for example or we want to introduce the new static analysis tool, which will be more tighter, uh, more stricter, and will control us better. Or you may say that, that let's switch to, I don't know, a different language or something. So we are, we're making a decision of what needs to be done uh, in order to, to improve the quality. So we're actually uh, filing bugs, sort of bugs, but they're not bugs in the, uh, in the product they are bugs in our quality system. So what do we have wrong? Then the quality goes, goes low. So that's what the quality assurance is about. It's about looking at the system uh, which is supposed to, uh, to, to guarantee a higher quality of our product and then make changes to that system. So most people think that quality assurance is that is actually filing bugs in the product. 
So during quality assurance step, we are breaking the product, we're filing bugs, like, you know, this button doesn't click and, and that file I cannot download. And they say, this is quality assurance. This is not, it is just testing. And testing is collecting, th these bugs we're talking about now, they are just uh, the deliverables of the testers. They have nothing to do with quality assurance. You can, you can file many, many bugs in the product and never fix them and then say, hey, I filed all of them, why my quality is low? So just filing bugs, just reporting issues in the product is not gonna guarantee the quality. What will guarantee the quality is that if you put everything together, if you put the programmers into one system, the, test, the testers who find that bugs and, and, and DevOps people and everybody, all the components of the, of the project, if you put them together and on top of that, you organize this Q quality assurance mechanism, this quality, quality planning, quality assurance, and quality control. And uh, that will guarantee you that you will have the quality. You will have the, uh, the expected quality. So just finding bugs, it's just testing. It's not QA. And, and again, let me repeat it, that during the QA step, we look at the entire, entire situation and, and we submit chain requests. We submit you know, bugs and, and, and problems, but bugs in the system. It's like, it's like mistakes we are making that does not allow us to increase the quality. So one particular bug, like the button doesn't click, is not the mistake which does not allow us to move forward and increase the quality. This, is, uh, this bug is just a normal element of the software development process. We need bugs in order to develop the software. This is like uh, a non-replaceable and very important component of just developing software. I'm talking about bugs. So we have bugs, it's good. We have code, it's good. We have re releases, it's good. We have continuous integration, failures and successes, it's good. We put this all together in the combination, look at this as, as an entire system and make a decision. Do we have the quality of the entire product? Do we have the customers who are happy about the quality or not? If they're not, then look at everything together and, and see where our process fails. Where do we miss something? Where we, for example, report we, we, properly report, we properly test, for example, we collect enough bugs, but we have just not enough programmers to fix that bugs in time. And if we look at the numbers, we see that the average time span for any individual bug from the moment it's get, it gets reported to the moment it gets fixed is, let's say, three weeks, which is not acceptable because customers get too frustrated of the, because of the three weeks waiting time. So it's okay, we report bugs. We don't have a problem with testers. Testers are doing what they have to do, but they are not QA people, they're just testers. They report and report bugs. They break the system, they report what's wrong, and then we don't have enough programmers to fix that. So we have two metrics, not in balance. We have too many bugs reported and not enough programmers to fix them all. Boom, that's why the quality doesn't work. Or we may have the opposite situation. Let's say we have enough programmers, they all deliver the code, but we have not enough testers. So that's why we have too many bugs being reported by customers. So we deliver the code to production and then a lot of bugs are coming not from testers, but from the customers. So if we compare the metrics, we will see that uh, it's not the fail, it's not the fault of the testers. Well, it's not, the, it's, not yeah, it's, it's a failure of the testers because there are not enough testers. So we just don't have enough testers or they don't work properly. They don't, they don't find bugs in time. They miss them 
And that's why the amount of code we develop uh, is too big and it goes to production with really important bugs undiscovered. And then we, the, these bugs are coming back to us from the customers and we compare these metrics, we see how many bugs we're getting from customers, how many bugs we're getting from testers, and how many features we introduce from programmers. We put these three metrics together, the, we QA people, and we understand that there is a problem with the system. We need to increase the amount of testers or do something else. For example, introduce unit testing. That also could be a problem because we're, we're having so many bugs which can be fixed which can be fixed by, uh, by, by automated testing. We don't need you know, more manual testers, for example. We need to fix that bugs by automated testing. So this is what QA is supposed to do, to look at this uh, whole picture and to make a decision what's wrong and then make a change request and, and submit that change request somewhere. So if you, again, if you try to certify your company by the ISO uh, 9000 standard, then the first question uh, your uh, auditor will ask you, maybe not the first, but one of the important questions is, please show us uh, this quality audit you did. So did you actually look at your system as a whole and did you make any decision? Did you find any problems and did you document them? If you tell them that, you know, we document uh, uh, bugs coming from uh, customers or we document bugs found by testers, if the auditor is, is you know, qualified and smart, uh, they will say, no, this is not what we're looking for. We're looking for quality audit uh, problems. And these are not bugs from users. These are not bugs from customers. These, are just, these bugs are like low-level things, which of course you have, like any other software team. But that's not about quality. You cannot assure quality by just reporting bugs uh, in the system. You need to look at it as a whole and report problems in the quality assurance system. That's what they will tell you, and, uh, and you will have to report them something, show them something. I was, uh, I was participating in the ISO audit once about 10 years ago for my own company, and we passed the audit, so I, I did it myself. So we didn't hire any uh, companies for that. We didn't uh, ask for any help. We just did it ourselves. So we, um, we understood how the standard works, and then the auditors just came, and we actually demonstrated them this. So we showed that, look, we actually did the, 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 the quality audit. We actually analyzed our system. We, um, we documented the problems. And then the next question they ask is, can you show us what happened after that? So can you show us what happened to the problem you documented? How did you actually uh, track the results of this change request? Did you implement that change request? Did you make the changes to the system? And this is part of the quality control, as far as I understand. So when you, uh, when you, uh, when you have that, that issues, when you find them and you have them documented, then you can move to the next step where you are uh, trying to put that changes in place and trying to control how these changes actually affected the situation. So let's say you look at the situation, you look at the reality and you see that uh, we are testing well enough. So we are collecting enough bugs. We have this bug tracking full of bugs, but we fix them with a delay of approximately an average three weeks. And that's what causes the, the problem for, for our customers. That's why they're not happy. Okay, that's a good decision, that's a good observation. You document that and you say this is bug number one, 
issue number one, trouble number one we have in the quality system. Let's do something with that. And then you assign somebody to fix that. Maybe the CEO, maybe CTO. It's quite high level problem because some you know uh, organizational um, uh, things uh, have to be done, organizational changes. Uh, maybe somebody has to be hired, some new people. Maybe somebody has to be fired. Maybe some salaries may be changed, some motivational uh, plans. I don't know. There are a lot of changes. And then you do all that, and then you get back, again, the QA person gets back to the ticket in a month or in two months, in three months, and compare the current situation with the previous situation and see whether the changes we did actually improve the situation somehow. So that's what's called quality control. So you need to control how your quality is, uh, is improving, going up or decreasing or going down. Uh, after you apply the changes you decided to apply. So you find out what needs to be done and then you implement that and then you look at the results and, and then you go back to quality planning. So it's, a, it's an endless cycle actually. You plan your quality, you want your customers to be super satisfied. In order to achieve that you want, you decide that any bug has to be fixed in less than five days. And then you look at the reality and you realize that you fix that bugs in three weeks. So your plan was five days. Your quality assurance gave you the results of three weeks. And then you talk to everybody in your organization. You talk to programmers, you talk to testers. They will tell you what's going on. They will, some of them will complain about this. Some of them will complain about that. You collect all these complaints and you create a change request number one, which says, Let's fire that uh, manager of programmers and let's pay these programmers, uh, you know, 20% more and let's hire five more programmers. That's the decision you make in order to improve the quality. It's not the decision the testers made. You realize that, right? So where the testers are and where are the QA people who can make that decisions? I mean, who can suggest that things? I'm not saying that the QA people will actually hire or fire somebody, but they are, they, they are going to suggest that. Testers have nothing to do with that. Testers are testing. They're not looking at the process. They're not, they're not QA people at all. You see now the difference, right? You see that where testing is and where QA is. So it's completely separate uh, parts of the organization. We cannot call testers QA people. That's just ridiculous. When you, when you hear that, when I hear that, I realize that these testers, they don't understand what, what they're doing actually. And the team doesn't, and the company doesn't understand what these testers are for when they call them QA engineers, QA people. So the first step, you plan five days. The second step, you, you observe that you have three weeks. And then the step number three, you hire, fire, change the salaries, do something with the organization and look at this number again in a few months. And you see, okay, now we have instead of three weeks, we have four weeks. Boom, we did something wrong. And now you, you reanalyze everything, you look at other factors which probably affected that, and then you make the second decision, the next decision, next decision. And then in a, in a year, you look at this progress, you look at the list of these changes, and this is your quality uh, traction, actually. This is the track of your quality uh, measures which you took in your project in order to improve your quality. And then you look at this history and you, and you understand whether you did it right, whether you did it wrong, you learn your lessons, and you improve and, and your quality goes right if you, if you are capable of analyzing it right. This is what quality auditors will look at. They, they, they will look at this log of, of, of changes 
the log of decisions made, the log of actions made, and they will see whether you're actually doing some quality assurance or you're just testing your software and reporting bugs. That's what I think. Uh, there are a number of, uh, a number of instruments. Well, actually, not huge number, but you can get them from the PM book of how exactly you can make the decisions. Because I said it like I just, I just threw some words into the air saying like, hey, you can hire somebody, you can fire somebody. Of course, you need to make the decisions uh, more, uh, you know, more uh, scientifically, I would say, more uh, with more thinking in mind. And in order to get that thinking, in order to be more scientific and more reasonable, then you will need some instruments. Probably you will need to put some numbers on a graph and see where, where they are. Maybe you will need to compare metrics using this Pareto analysis or using this, uh, I don't know, there are so many fancy words in there. I don't use all of that, to be honest, because I never actually worked in a huge project where, where th these things will be, will be required, like cause and effect diagram, histograms, scatter diagram, control chart, they're good words and you may, you may probably need that, but uh, if, you, if you need that. Let me, to finish that, I'm close to finishing, so let me list uh, uh, the areas which may and must be uh, under quality control. So let's just get a list. So first of all, how you can actually, what can you collect from, from the coders, testers, de DevOps people, uh, designers, UI engineers, everybody. So what I would do in a project? First of all, it's definitely, obviously, uh, code reviews. So you look at, like I already mentioned, you need to have code reviews and you need to measure how they work. You need to know some numbers. You need to collect some information about how your team is doing code reviews. On every change, not on every change. All of them are successful. Not all of them are successful. Um, some of them are rejected completely. All of them are accepted. So there are, there are many numbers. There are many uh, metrics which you can collect. Code reviews. Continuous integration. Number two, continuous integration, you know what it is. You continuously integrate the product and sometimes continuous integration breaks. Sometimes you will have the red flag saying that the master branch is broken. Sometimes continuous integration will take longer than it should take. Sometimes people just will just violate the rules of continuous integration and somehow uh, commit their changes maybe uh, you know, uh, around the, the CI um, uh, gates and CI control instruments. So continuous integration will give you numbers, pay attention to these numbers and embed them, uh, embed them and, and include them into your overall quality uh, analysis, quality plan. Testing, of course, testing is what you, uh, as, as an input, will give you information about what's going on. How many bugs are reported, how good they are, I mean, how complex they are, how, how severe they are, how much they break the product. The more complex the bug is, the more severe it is, the more critical it is, the better. Because it's good that the tester actually managed to find that. It means that if you fix it, then the, the code will be more stable for the end users. So the more critical, the more difficult bugs your team finds, the better for you in general, because you know these bugs stay in in house and don't go out on production. Uh, how many of them they find? How fast they find them? How many of them are cosmetic? How many of them are duplicates? 
because if the testing team finds many duplicate bugs, meaning that they're not paying attention to, to the bugs found already, they're not really professional enough and all that. How many of them are cosmetic and uh, minor bugs? It's also a good indicator of a problem. If they find many minor bugs, it means that they're prob probably not really motivated to find something more complex, not motivated to really break the product seriously. They're just, you know, just doing it for, uh, for the marker in the, in the report list. So testing is something which you pay attention for. Static analysis. Of course, what else can tell you something about the quality of the code aside from static analysis? Static analysis, is the, I think, is one of the main uh, indicators of the quality of the health of the code. So pay attention to it. Maybe all the static analysis rules are clean. In most cases, it's not going to be the case. Uh, maybe some of them are, you know, complaining. Maybe many of them are complaining. So pay attention to the numbers and include these numbers in your quality plan. Unit testing and coverage. You know what unit testing is. You know what coverage is. So the unit testing will automatically collect, uh, the inf will automatically test everything, and uh, they will give you some numbers. They will tell you how high is the coverage, and there are many elements in that coverage. They're coverage by lines, coverage by paths, coverage by methods, coverage by classes. There are different coverages and you pay attention to all that numbers. You see their dynamic of how they change. They grow or they go down. You, in, you include that in your quality plan. You want to, your coverage, coverage to go up or you doesn't care about the coverage. You need to care about it. You need to, 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 you need to want it to go up. Also, unit testing will tell you how many tests are skipped now. That's also an indicator of the quality. There are many skipped tests and people keep skipping them, keep ignoring them. You know, I'm not talking about deleting tests, which is a completely wrong practice. But if, you, if they, they keep skipping tests and disabling them and this number goes up, meaning that that definitely means that the quality goes down. So pay attention to these numbers. Uh, you can also calculate tests by numbers. I don't think it's a really like professional metric, but still something. You can pay attention to how many classes you have and how many tests you have. If this number, if these two numbers go along, go together up or together down, it's more or less okay. But if the number of classes grows and the number of tests uh, stays at the same place or grows slowly, then that's, that's something which affects your quality. Deployments. You look at the deployments of how frequently you deploy, how frequently you release your software, and uh, again, it's a good information for your quality plan. You may say that we want to release every week or like these big companies are saying now, some of them, we release like every five minutes. I'm not sure they're not lying about that number because I can, it's difficult to imagine to release a serious system every five minutes, but you may aim for releasing like multiple times a day or maybe multiple times a week. And also you pay attention to the success of releases. So sometimes you may release and then the production breaks and then you need to roll back. So also calculate how much you get rollbacks, how many successful releases, put these numbers together. This is part of your quality plan. And the next one, user feedback. So you look at the, uh, what people are saying about your product, how many, how many uh, bugs and complaints are coming from users and compare that number to the, to the, to the bugs uh, your testers report. The number, of course, obviously, well, depends on the situation on the market. If, you, if it's a mass market and uh, you're, you know, de delivering a product for millions of people, then, of course, the amount of complaints you're going to get from the market will be, I, I think, will be bigger 
than the amount of problems your testers can find, unless you have you know, hundreds of testers. But it depends on your marketing situation, your budget, your amount of money you can spend on that. But pay attention to how many bugs are coming from the market. That's a really important number, which again, you put on the quality plan. Next one, logs. You look at the production platform, you pay attention to the logs you have there. You know what logs is. You know, the information your system uh, saves to some file about, uh, about, about how it behaves, how it feels itself on the production servers. And uh, you can take numbers on that. You can see how many lines of these logs are coming in and how intense the logging is. In big systems, when I was working a few times with, we were not able to, uh, to analyze what, well, we were, we were able to analyze what the quality is, but the main indicator for us after we released something was the amount of log lines in the log files. So when you put something to production and you don't know exactly where the problems could be, so you pay attention to your log files, and if the amount of lines goes up, I mean, the speed of logging, the intensity of logging grows, then that's, a, that's in most cases an indicator that something goes wrong, that something changed after you released the product. So in general, I would suggest to, to put some requirements, some thresholds on your logging system and expect some numbers there. Like we expect less than that amount of logs per hour, or we expect, expect uh, no more changes in these numbers than this, than, than this number and that number. So logging system is an important component of, of, uh, of your product. And you need to measure it, and that could be part of your quality plan. Um, and I would say that um, you can also collect some performance metrics, performance load metrics, uh, some information from your target platform about how fast is your system. It's just numbers, which again will come in and you pay attention to it. It's a part of your quality plan, part of the quality characteristic of your product, how fast it is. So, you know, plan these numbers somehow and again, analyze it together with everything else. So as you see, I just listed probably 10 or something different elements of quality, which if you put together in one quality plan and look at them all together, you will make decisions of how to improve your quality, what needs to be done. And testing, I'm just finishing and, and making my point again, testing is just one of them and it has almost nothing to do with quality assurance. Because testing is testing, quality assurance is quality assurance. Quality assurance is looking at everything together and making decisions how to improve quality. Testers don't make decisions about how to improve quality. It's not their job. Testers are breaking the system and reporting bugs. They are, I'm not saying they're not professionals. I'm not saying they're like, uh, you know, less important than QA people. Absolutely not. They, they are very important. They, the QA people don't know how to break the system. They don't know how to do the proper, you know, testing of the system. They have something else to do. Testers are breaking the system, constantly trying to find new bugs there, and they know how to report that bugs, they know how to find them, they, they know how to do testing. And, and I would say even that testing, I think, is more complex in many cases, is more complex activity than writing code. That writing code is something which I believe is easier to do, and breaking that code properly and reporting bugs properly 
if you are a professional tester, will require knowing that code, understanding that code, and also understanding how to break it. So it's like writing unit tests. So writing unit tests, a proper unit test, is more complex than writing the code itself. And in a, in a proper code, in a proper software, the amount of unit tests and the complexity of them usually should be bigger, should be higher than the complexity and the size of the code itself, if we're talking about high quality systems. The same here for testers. I think that they have to be even more uh, professional than programmers, but they are not QA people. Let's stop, stop calling them QA people. It just introduces like mess into our understanding of what QA is. That's all I wanted to say. I would highly recommend to take a look at the quality management uh, part uh, of the PM book. It's not so big. Uh, just read it once and you will understand what it's all about. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye.